<laughs> oh, that was pretty funny. Yes, Jeff. Jeff just <laughs> asked me before we started. He just asked me, "How do you know?" <laughs> I just want to confirm. Know it? I thought it right was Jeff so with just... a big red button. That when it turns red, that means we're recording. <laughs> oh boy, how long have we done this? So we don't need to do any hand signals or anything. Oh, I just watched that Thank button. Thank you for listening okay. to just the watch Fields the button. Show. There you go. Right. We even talked about who's starting this. You want me to kick this off, yeah. or you start it? <laughs> go ahead, Jeff. It's all <laughs> yours, man. Welcome to the Fields Brothers Show podcast. We are coming to you from Central Kentucky, from Roger's Man Cave on his wedding farm, and here in the Fields Brothers Show podcast, we talk about what life is like on this side of the cross. We cannot emphasize that too much, the difference between before the cross and on this side of the cross, and we are excited about that. I think we should say um, on this side of the cross in Kentucky. Was that our tagline or our slogan? I don't know. I'm just we really saying don't it, have a slogan, I guess. No, we don't. In Kentucky, there are a lot of things we so, don't really yeah. have. <laughs> so in Kentucky, on this side of, of the cross, or on this side of the cross in Kentucky. No, on this side of the cross in Kentucky. Okay, on this side of the cross in Kentucky. I mean, that's okay. better than like this side of the cross, like in like Indiana or something, you know. So. so, but anyway, I am All Jeff right. Fields. I am the younger of the Fields brothers, and, and my older brother is. I'm Roger, and yes, I'm the older one, not much older, but a little older. Well, I'm thankful. I'm going to pick up where you left off last time, Roger. You and this this little intro thing. This is yeah. not the. Stuff you're thankful for. Yeah, you mentioned yeah, list, and yeah, that was good yeah, and all this. Yeah. When I was on the way home um, from, I work today, my office, and coming home, it was beginning to get dark. It's rainy and a little hard to see. I find, I'm very thankful for brake lights. Have you well, ever thought of that? <laughs> I guess just I really have I just, I'm just, just taking for granted. For granted. Yes. We didn't have brake lights. Where would we be? Uh, right. I mean, I I'm mean, driving on a four lane divided road. It's starting to get dark. It's rainy. The wipers are going and pretty heavy traffic. And you almost hit the I car was, in front of no, you. No, no, I had no close calls. Okay. No, don't don't jump to that. Don't jump to conclusions. Well, there. we did bring up the no close value calls. of brake lights and make but somebody think that. And so when I got home, I I Googled. When were brake lights invented? Do you know when the first recorded? 62, 1962. No. You said that with quite... It's, it's amazing how confidently <laughs> you can say things that you have no clue what you're talking it's about. It's a gift. <laughs> <laughs> See, that makes me now suspicious of any time, any other time that you seem okay, confident. Okay, so when were brake lights invented? I was very surprised at this. 1905. I didn't even know the car was existed in 1905. Evidently, there was some version of something. Now. In 19, well, that's yeah. Google it they, yourself. They have uh, electronics and cars in 1905. I don't, I, did, I don't know, but somehow there was something that was some type of brake light. I mean, well, how many cars could there have been in 1905 where you had to have brake lights with a car? But it, was like the, it was the problem like the buggy would hit you in the back or the it horse? Was when or, it was dark. And so, but you know, I mean, what, the, but the brake lights are for the car in right. behind you well, to no, know that you're stopping. No. How many cars are on the road in 1905? Well, that, that's irrelevant. It well, doesn't matter. It seems like it should be irrelevant. Oh, but okay. it also pointed out, and I remember this, and I bet you do too. I didn't know. I think the exact year there was a, um, and I, I didn't see a person's name affiliated with the 1905 or the original invention or idea, but there was another one. A psychologist had a, a long last name. I forget what it was. Don't have it here in front of me. That in, in the 19, early 70s, he did an experiment and because of his experiment, there was something else that was added, and it was either in like 1974, I think, was the third brake light, which evidently in the experiments reduced the wrecks by about 30 percent. So, so you that's know, the you know one, what, the one that's under the rearview mirror, the, or somewhere else in the middle. Not, 
not under the rear view mirror, but in the back. Not at Rob's so, I mean, <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm, I don't know my. I'm, you I'm not. <laughs> okay, automotive is not my thing. Yes, I meant the rear view mirror, the back window, back windshield. But then you can see how that is very helpful when there's a light that it, you know that comes on that wasn't where there was no light before, as opposed to tail lights. Just but anyway, that is so yeah, that, yeah, that um, makes so sense. today this uh, you know people are putting stuff on Facebook. They're thankful for it. All that's good. Um, <laughs> But I am I am particularly tonight thankful for brake lights. So there so, you uh, go. Most people are posting stuff like, "Well, I'm thankful that I live in a free country. I'm thankful for my mom or dad or my relationship with God." You're going to post, "I'm thankful for brake lights." Is that well, right? I Do just, I have this I, right? I, I, I like to be a little out of the ordinary sometimes. Okay. So. All right. The um, oh, a few different things. Where do we get started here? Uh, okay, I'll get started with kind of the. I, I don't know if. I spent a lot of time thinking about this and reading up on it. I've got an article I'm probably going to post, but I haven't posted yet. So I don't know if it's going to turn into much of a conversation here. Or we may be totally done in 30 seconds. I don't know. But got a new phrase that I think is worth noting that I've never heard anybody else use before that I think it deserves attention. And that is Resurrection Friday. Have you ever thought about Resurrection Friday? Well, no, because we think of the resurrection, resurrection being on Sunday. Sunday. So, right. you know, everyone talks about Resurrection Sunday. I think we need to acknowledge and to somewhat, uh, to some extent, emphasize Resurrection Friday. Do you know where I'm going with that? No, I don't. Okay, yeah, well, I you should. No clue. If you th- okay. thought about this a while. Well. Because I had kind of forgotten. We knew about this. You knew about this because oh, we okay. put it in our book. All right, yeah. That on the, and we've pointed out many times before the significance of the cross, the day that Jesus died. And I'm going to assume it's Friday. I know there's some debate yeah. between it's Thursday or Friday, but for now, we'll assume it's Friday. I don't know. Um, that when he died on the cross, incredible things happened. Yeah. You know, the, the yeah. veil in the temple was ripped from top to bottom, and there was an earthquake. The sky turned dark, and what else happened? Well, people came out of their graves and people, walked around the town. People says yeah. that some of the saints came out of the, the rock split open, yeah. and some of the saints came out of their graves and walked around the town. Yeah, I forgot about the rock splitting open. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, we can we – can, I, you know, I don't know how far to go with some of these analogies well, and types and things like that, but that could be the law, you know, splitting open. But anyway, since a lot of times in Scripture, the stone kind of, I think the stone uh, does represent the law. So, yeah, I that one may know. be a little bit yeah, of a stretch, I, I realize. Know. I don't know. Okay, go But ahead. anyway, it, it got me to thinking, well, that is fascinating that they rose from the dead on Friday and not on Sunday. I mean, if I'm writing the script, I have them coming out on Sunday morning when Jesus came out of the grave. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking this through. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess. So I, found, so I found that kind of interesting. Okay, why did they come out on Friday and not Sunday? And so well, I, that's a little bit of what I've been thinking about this week. So what, what thoughts come to your mind? Well, if you I mean, think I've about always just, just generally speaking said because it was the, the cross was the actual game changer day. That right. was the day that was prophesied about. That was the day that... Um, you know, there again, the earthquake hit and God ripped the temple veil in half. Um, he didn't do that when Jesus resurrected. He didn't rent the temple veil yep. in half on the resurrection day, but on the crucifixion. And so that was the day that I believe it says in Hebrews that this is the death of the testor that ushers in the new covenant. It was the mm-hmm. death of the old covenant. Um, when Jesus died, that was the end of the old covenant. And then we have an inheritance because the one who left us an inheritance died. And so that's when the inheritance kicks in. And even though Jesus wouldn't resurrect for three more days, that was the day that things everything changed. And so, 
you know what, and, and I agree with all that, and kind of what I was thinking that it was, and I've talked before about, you know, it is interesting how the, in the New Testament epistles, while the resurrection is obviously absolutely vital without, if Christ be not raised, our, our faith is in vain. So I get all that. But when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, I came to you knowing nothing but Christ and him crucified. Right. You know, he didn't right. say Christ right. crucified and resurrected and all this. Right. And later on right. in, in that letter, right. he talks a lot about the resurrection. But the idea that, you know, when he died and he says, it is finished, that's when people came out of their graves because, you know, what happened? What, what, what did he accomplish when he died? Well, he took away all the sin of the world. Of the world, yeah. And so what, you know, what brought about death in the first place? Sin. sin. It was sin into the world that brought about death. Yeah. And so if you take away sin, what happens? Resurrection. So I, I think it's I think it's significant that when when the sins of the world were taken away, boom, resurrection happened. Now yeah, you know, and then he resurrected on on Sunday, and so you know I don't think that's yeah. significant one. But but you know what it does for me is just reemphasizes how significant the cross was, yeah. and that the, that he fulfilled the law. So I mean you can back this up. I said what is yeah uh, what brought about death? Well what what about death was sin. Well what what brought about sin? Yeah. The law, you know, yeah. sin didn't exist until in that sense, you know, or, well, it existed, the but, but it was, the cross. and so he fulfilled the law, the nailed law was the nailed to the cross. And so because the law was fulfilled, the law was nailed to the cross. Therefore, sin was taken away. Since sin was taken away, therefore, death was taken away in that regard. And then that verse in first Corinthians 15, you know, that, that I've quoted many times about the strength of sin or the power of sin, or some translations say the strength of sin, the power of sin or the strength of sin is the law. That's in that context of First Corinthians 15, where it's talking about resurrection. Yeah. Oh, death raise your victory. Oh, death yeah. raise your sting. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So part of my post, I've got it written here. No law, no sin. No sin, no death. No death, boom, resurrection. So the idea is that when we see that all of our sin is taken away, we experience resurrection then. You know, when, yeah. when someone sees that, it, it's that's what brings resurrection. I'm so, with you. I like it, so, actually. I anyway, like it. Yeah. That's, so that's resurrection. way better than most of the stuff you come up with. I'm just thinking. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I like it. I like it. So. It's way better than the taillight thing, you know. I guess I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, I mean, that's really good. Resurrection I mean, I, Friday. So I that's the phrase. I, I'm going to, next Easter, I'm going to be talking about Resurrection Friday. Yeah. So I don't I think was, we, yeah, we I, talk I, about that enough. The um, the other thing, I, actually, I, that came to me when I was listening to a, a sermon by a, a friend of ours, Tim Philpot. You know him? Yeah. And uh, he sent me an email with a message to a small group he had given. But he also he mentioned, now he didn't mention Resurrection Friday. He just mentioned that. You know, a lot of people don't know that people came out of the graves on that day. Yeah. So we already knew that. So I took it farther than that. But the other thing you mentioned, I, and I had not noticed this before, but when Jesus was on trial, or what was it that Jesus said that really got him, ended up uh, leading to him being crucified? They were, they were trying to find witnesses. It's in um, Matthew 26. It's interesting. They were trying to find witnesses and it says they couldn't find any witnesses against him. Yeah. But well, then they found two guys, witness about something he had said. And God, that's when he got God in trouble. God being his own father, wasn't it? Or no, not then. No. I mean, he got in trouble with the Pharisees at that time. And then maybe he may have said something later in that trial that mentioned that. But the, the initial thing. Well, and, he said, you'll see the Son of Man coming back. 
Well, again, that was that, later. That, that was after he was already, that things were kind of rolling. People. Yeah, that was already rolling. But the initial thing, when they, they and it said they were trying to find witnesses and they couldn't find any. But somehow they found two witnesses that said, we heard him say, destroy this temple, and in three days I will build it back. Right. So it's like two or three years earlier. Yeah. You know, so he gets nailed then for something he said, nailed, I didn't I didn't mean a pun to that, but, yeah. but I got you. you know, he, he got, uh, you know, really in trouble with the with the leaders because of something he said two or three years earlier but of all the things you know that's what and so you wonder okay what's the deal with those two witnesses what's you know but and honestly i don't have any big uh, uh, this may disappoint you but i don't have a big spiritual application to make out of that point but i just found it interesting that 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 is what when he said he would build the temple in three days that's what got him in trouble i gotta think about that. that so I'll have something profound to say about that next week, maybe. Or next okay, podcast. give it some thought. All right. Uh, a few other things. We, we've talked about the difference between the other, you know, before the cross and this side of the cross. I saw something the other day that really illustrates this good, where there's an almost identical question that's asked of Jesus before the cross and asked of Paul after the cross. In Luke 10, this is about the part where the, uh, the greatest commandment and, the, and all that you know, there, he's asked and goes into the story of the, the Good Samaritan um, with Alan. Or that, that, that may not be the part of the greatest commandment, but it's the part that leads up to the story of the Good Samaritan where someone comes up to him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And that's when he does say, love, love the Lord your God. I don't th- it's not the question of the greatest commandment. That's another one. But there's asking this time, just what do I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, do this and you will live. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that's the answer. Acts 16, Philippian jail. There's an earthquake. The jail cells are opening up. And the guy, the one of the, the jailer falls before Paul and says, what must I do to be saved? So it's not the identical wording. One's what pretty must close. I do, to, but it's pretty close. I think we can, we can consider it essentially the same question. So we asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? Does Paul say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, do this and you'll live. He could have quoted Jesus then. Right. You know, Paul could have said, well, you know, Jesus said, but that's not what he's, that's not, you know, the, the, essentially the same question gets an entirely different answer yep. and what's the answer he gives. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved, you and your household, yeah. isn't that it? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You but and that, your household. Yes, right. yeah, we've talked about that uh, before. Yes. Had had a well, conversation the other day uh, about this household thing, and I told him, I said, well, my brother Roger, he has kind of yeah. talked about that at times. I have and several. I, now. I have a handful of really heretical ideas, and that would probably be one of them, but it's <laughs> still, I'm still right about it. <laughs> I'll go some but, time. But, you know, you're again. getting on, down a rabbit trail I know, here. okay, all right, all right. But the idea that essentially the same question before the cross, Jesus gives one answer. After the cross, the essential completely different answer, it's believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the obvious idea is that, okay, that answer that Jesus gave, he is teaching law. There is no other way to yeah, right. to read that right. other than he is right. preaching the old covenant. He is teaching law, right. and it's an impossible command to keep. But he kept it. We'll tie all this together with a cross. He kept it. And so now when it's asked, after he's kept it, after he's risen from the dead, the same question, it's not a matter of us trying to do that. It's a matter of believing in the one who has yeah. and who does yeah. and all that. So I thought that was just a really good, clear-cut example. All right. I got a couple of little random things. Can I spring them on you? Yes, go ahead. Here's a new quote I heard. Religion is the drug Satan gives you to forget the gospel. Religion is the drug that Satan gives you. I think Satan does give us religion um, to make us forget the gospel. The gospel. Yeah. 
You know who said that? You? Me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think it's kind of true, though. I think it is kind of a drug that kind of gets you, you know, all, you know, it gets you focused on your own abilities, your own failures, your own strengths. It's all about you. That's what religion is. And it does get you, takes your focus off the gospel, gets you to forget, forget about the gospel. Yeah, I mean, that that is... You know, that's the Galatians 3 thing of, of being bewitched or the hex or whatever. We, and we got something I guess we need to point out on that too in that Galatians 3 from the message, what you told me the other day. But but yeah, that's the Galatians 3 message that, that Satan gets us distracted, get our eyes off the cross onto what we do. That thing of do this and you shall live uh, is also in Galatians 3, quoted from the Old Testament. So exactly. Yeah. So I, I love to hear what people say. Is, I'm going to change the subject get on you. It, it, and then I ask, what does this mean? Like when somebody says, and you hear this all the time, and people post on Facebook, they're getting ready to, you know, go into surgery or something. They say, just say a little prayer for me. What's a little prayer? <laughs> I mean, Big prayer that, versus a little yeah, prayer. Yeah, what's a little prayer? Does that just mean less than 10 words? What is a little prayer? On a scale of 1 yeah, to what's 10. what's a little what's prayer? A, one that's just not Just need a 2 or 3 here, right? One that's not long, one that's not, one that you can say during the commercial i mean what what is a little i guess what they're saying is is you know they don't want to burden you with take a lot of time just as you're just throw something out there yeah just just real quick i I mean i just think that i don't know i think you're being little oh i mean i probably am i I do think about that what what is exactly that what is that what's a little one of these days down the road you're going to be going into surgery and i'll be talking to you before i'll be saying jeff say a little prayer for me and i'll break out laughing yeah Just be so, a little prayer. I just want a little prayer. On your on your quote. I'm gonna say, Jeff, say a big prayer for me. If it's me going into surgery. Don't give me one of them little prayers. I want a big one. I don't even want a medium sized one. I want big. Back to the quote, Matt, one thing you might want to do, you might want to put that on Facebook, you know, make a special deal with it, put it in quote marks, and then just your own name after it. That'd look a little odd if you you know, if you're quoting on your own Facebook page. Actually, I've done that before. Put your name. <laughs> <laughs> it would not be the first time. It just looks more impressive if yeah. it's, you know, obviously a quote there. So or I could have some real well known theologian mark his name out and then you know, my name like <laughs> You would have thought. Or you, you know, it was this A. Malcolm Muggeridge. Well, yeah, it was this no, it A. Wasn't. Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah. B. Was it Martin Luther? <laughs> C. Roger Fields. It was a. <laughs> that would be oh, something good. Oh gosh. There. Okay. I've got a new phrase for your uh, the, your your thing with Christmas and all this and uh. Oh yeah. Holiday well, let me say. Let me say about that. Okay. I'm, with any of the phrase, I think you'll like this. I heard well, can this. I say what you're talking about? Okay. Though. Okay. I mean, yeah. The group go is ahead. called People Against Holiday Overlapping. Payho. Don't start your Christmas decorating until after Thanksgiving. Don't overlap the holidays okay go ahead i'm president of that i saw this phrase the other day described it as the um christmas's illegal occupation of november don't you like that <laughs> yep i do so christmas is you know you hear that phrase yeah, illegal yeah, occupation yeah. so this is in yeah. the, uh, the holiday season i like so, that uh, so christmas is uh, illegal occupation of november um you know per- i have oh go, go ahead i have another random thought you want another random thought yeah and the other again, it's probably just me. But you know, it's in the Bible, and somebody pointed this out to me a long time ago, and I do think it's interesting that there really aren't any titles in the Bible. Like, you never see Paul just himself as the Apostle. Paul, it's always Paul the Apostle. He tells, this is my yeah, name. I've heard people say that. I'm not real sure what the difference is. Well, so what's the difference, difference between Paul the Apostle and the Apostle well, Paul? It's, it's, it's like it, it takes it away from being a, a title. I mean, it just says, this is what I do. I'm Paul. I'm the Apostle. Or I'm, you know... Roger the pastor, okay. but not Pastor Roger. So focus on what you so, do as opposed to... Yeah, it's a, a as opposed okay. to a right. title or a um, a status. It's less of a status. It's more of this is what I do. Okay. Okay. And 
I just think I like that. I think we would be a lot better off in Christianity if people would just say, you know, just stop using them. I mean, I get famous all the time, you know, Prophet George says this, you know. <laughs> you know, Apostle Helen says, you know. I'm, and like, holy moly. I mean, just go, you know. Oh, you're preaching to the choir here. I mean, uh, that's just kind of lose been a, the title. That's, that's kind of been of a you know, pet peeve of mine as well. It's a big deal to you to be a whatever it is, you know, a prophet, apostle, evangelist, whatever. Then just say, okay, I'm. You know, Henry the Evangelist, but not Evangelist Henry. It's like, oh, please. Well, I've, okay, this may take the rest of our time here, so you've kind of hit a button with me then on that. I remember when I first started preaching in Stanton, um, people would call me Brother So-and-so, yeah. or, or one person, a friend of mine, still a friend of this day, was a preacher. You know, he'd yeah. call me preachers if yeah. I had no name. And, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and at times I would try to get some of the people to, to not call me brother so-and-so because I was the only one in the entire congregation that people addressed brother. but brother on the front yeah. of it, brother yeah. Jeff. Yeah. And uh, I eventually gave up on a lot of them and, well, and you were there, but it's, it's a, I didn't like the idea of a separate title. Now, if you're going to have a title, that's a good one to have. But. Okay. I'm not a big fan of that either, but yeah. at least it wasn't a title that you chose. You didn't oh, no. write your oh, letter. You didn't say here, I, you didn't introduce yourself. Oh, I'm brother Jeff. Right. Oh, you no, know, yeah. They did it as a term of respect. Now, that's to me a it's little different. It's kind of a different. tradition. Yeah. That's yeah. a little different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But it's when you put it on your yeah. Facebook page, on your stationery, on your business card that you're. You know, and I think. I or think, the common one is pastor so-and-so. Yeah, I, think, I mean, that is I extremely think, common. I know. So. And I've done that. I have, I'm guilty of that. I had that title. You know, there's Pastor Roger. I've well, never called you Pastor Roger. I know, but people in the church did. And at the time, I thought it was cool, <laughs> but I don't now. You yeah. know, I think it's, you know, it's the function that we should emphasize, not the title. And it just separates. I heard a phrase years ago, and I think it's a great phrase. It says, there is no higher title in the body of Christ than that of brother or sister. No higher title in the body of Christ than brother. The, the idea that there's not different tiers, there's not yeah. different, right? Um, you know, casts well, of, of that. And so, yeah, when someone called pastor so and so, I I don't use that term. I just use the person's right. first name. Basically. See if you'd agree with me on this. Now, <clears throat> you know, there's no secret that pastors have a rough time with all kinds of things. I mean, they go through depression, a lot of them fall. Yeah. They, they, yeah. I mean, the pastors are just being knocked out. Another high profile one, if you know, if you know this or not, was just knocked out of ministry. Um, I have a theory about that. And one of my theories, I think, there's, I, think, I think there's probably a bunch of reasons why that happens, but I think one of the reasons is because people in levels of ministry who are looked up to um, tend to adopt that as their identity. That's who I am. And mm-hmm. the title leads in, well, I'm Pastor yeah. Roger. Okay. I don't believe that there's, I'm not saying there's no power in that. Actually, I would say that there's really no power in in the term or the title. Your, your identity in Christ is your power. Yeah. And so instead of we thinking of ourselves, I'm a child of God who's been paid for mm-hmm. by the blood of Jesus, the Father, you know, the God of the universe is my dad, is my father. That's my identity. Yeah. My identity is not what I do, yeah. either in the church or ministry, but what happens in ministry, and I would say most of the time, not the exception, but most of the time, is that people think of themselves in terms of what they do in ministry, just the same way people would think of themselves in what they do in their careers, too. But in ministry, you would think, it would dawn on us at some point, that we're not primarily what we do in ministry. We are primarily what Jesus has created us to be 
by the, his shed blood and by his death and resurrection. Okay, I'll take it a step further, too. Right. That's, that's kind of why I, I, I bristle a little bit at the term, you know, a lot of people identify themselves as a follower of Jesus and, and forgetting the right. the issue of following so much, but that we've talked about before, but the right. idea that that identifies me based on a decision that I have made, it's a choice what I that do. I have made I and what Jesus. I do, as opposed to the term well, saint in the New Testament is called out once. That's that's yeah. who what God has made right. us. It's right. it focused on his right. activity, not ours. And when, so. Okay, since you brought it up, when we, I say that when Jesus said, follow me, he said that to people who were in the Gospels who literally followed him down the road. And, and, and it also implied that you know their, their literal following also indicated their desire to abide by his teachings. So, I mean, well, they were I don't following. know that it was used that way that much in the Gospels. Oh, I think in the Gospels, okay, we'll so, have a discussion another yeah. time. But the that's why you don't see that language used after the cross. For one thing, they couldn't literally follow Jesus yeah. around. He had died and resurrected. He was with them, but he you didn't follow him around down the dirt road like you did before. And so the term follower fades away after the cross, but we kind of bring that term back because the emphasis on us, I am a follower. That means I follow. I do this. Yeah. It's about me. That's why the first Corinthians thing, the division. You know, yeah. some say I follow Peter, and right. some say I follow Christ, because right. it was right. all divided there. The, th- the time and, and, that and, and Paul chewed them all out for that. Right. He didn't the say, "Oh yeah, the ones that follow, follow Christ are the right ones." He yeah. did not say right. that because it was all I. Right. With that. Right. But they, the, the time I got really irritated on the titles, it's been several years ago now. We visited a, another congregation here <clears> in town, fairly large congregation. Fairly formal service, you know. They have a one of the ones still have a bulletin. Not a lot of places don't have a bulletin anymore. But in the bulletin, you know, who's doing what, and a couple of the you know the paid staff members, and it it had R E V period in front of their names, you know, in the bulletin. So they have chosen to be identified as Reverend so and so. Yeah, well, and that's that, always been stupid. I mean, uh, <laughs> I didn't turn over any tables, but I was uh, yeah. I thought about it anyway. Yeah, so. I've always thought the Reverend. Back even when I was called Pastor Roger, I thought the Reverend thing was kind of dumb. But one anyway. other little quick thing, we'll All wrap right. this up here. Came across this the other day, and I hadn't thought of this, but it, it makes sense that there's only two times in the Gospels when Jesus specifically said of someone, "They have great faith." Or so you know. Yeah, they has had well, great I know faith. One of them. Uh, go ahead. The centurion. Yeah, centurion's one. And there was another one. Um, was a woman. Is that the Syrophoenician woman? I don't know. Sure. Anyway, exactly who it is is not that important. Yeah. But what's important is that both of those times they were Gentiles. They were not under the law. So the only two times Jesus huh. specifically said to someone, "They have great faith," he said it to people who were not under the law. And that, you know, other points and other places in Scripture says, um, you know, the law is not of faith. I mean, it's an either or. Either we try to approach God on the basis of law, what we do, and keeping the principles or whatever, or we approach him on the basis of faith, of believing him and what he is able to do. Yeah. So that is the, the law is not of faith. And so those who are great faith, we're not under the law. So if we're trying to do stuff to please God... That's not the life of faith. I mean, you got to pick one or the other, really. Right. I mean, you gotta, it really you gotta is. Make, take your it choice. Is, it is not a combo meal. Yeah, it's, it's not. One or the you, other. You pick one. It's, either, it's about you or it's about what you do for God or about what God has done for you, but it's not about both. And he died for us, and so that's Resurrection Friday we can celebrate. And don't forget to thank God for those taillights out there. All right. All right. <laughs>